Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I've never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Bergland, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have made it to Book to Earth, Chapter 8, The Chase. We are rapidly approaching the midway point of Season 2. I feel like we just started Season 2, and now... It's like we're getting to the turn on season two. I know, and it's going to go fast after this. I know it. Yeah. So I want to throw out a metaphor that I want to use uh, throughout this episode. And it's I'm going to labor this metaphor as we <laughs> go through. And it's not it doesn't totally work. But as I thought about this episode, as I was... So the way we do this is we take turns writing up notes, which yeah. is basically like this big summary. And then we take notes on the notes. <laughs> so as I this morning, as I was writing up my notes on your notes... Um, I realized there's an element of this that we can think about. It's it's like the Aang gang in a college, going off to college. Now, it has nothing about the story will point you to that, but there are all these beats where it's like, oh, this is like this in college, and this is like that in college. So I'm oh, going to bring this up as we go through. I absolutely know what you're talking about. Yes. Okay, yep, yep, that's good. I like that. Well, should we get started? Let's do it. Okay. Um, so we start out in the middle of a vast forest in the Earth Kingdom, and Appa is laying in a clearing. And I'm excited because this is an Appa-centric episode. Yeah, he plays a big, big role. I mean, he always does, but even more so. There's a lot of love for Appa in this one. So he's laying in a in the clearing, and the crew is um, packing bags onto his saddle, and he's surrounded by these clumps of white fur on the ground. And um, Toph said, "Hey, you guys, you picked a really great campsite. This grass is so soft." And Sokka goes, that's not grass. Appa's shedding. And Katara is grossed out by it. She's now, like sneezy. and. Now, I need to ask you, as a pet owner, is this gross? Now, I know that, that animal hair can be kind of gross, but the idea, I want you to take the idea of animal hair and yeah. pet hair, and I want to take take the idea of this, like, shower of Appa fur that creates almost a rug on the ground. Gross or not gross? Um, Gross, but a reality. Okay. You know? Like, I would not, Yeah. It's unfortunate. I remember growing up, I was at some one of my parents' friends' house, and there was they had like some like the church jello out, you know. Oh, it's like the, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, and I don't like where this is yeah, heading. Yeah, and uh, there were cat hairs in it, and that that visual has scarred me. <laughs> wow. So anyway, back to the episode. <laughs> I think it's gross, and so does Katara. And Aang um, chimes in and he's like, that's not gross. And a bird lands on his head and this like butterfly floats around him and the music starts to get super cheesy. And he's like, that's just a part of spring, you know, rebirth, flowers blooming, Appa gets a new coat, which I feel like should be me, but mm -hmm. it's not me. I am grossed out by that. Um, and Appa's nose starts to tickle from all of the shedding fur and he sneezes and an entire like coat's worth of fur flies off his body. And Katara is even more frustrated because it's all over her. And um, Sokka's kind of joking around and he makes this big white wig out of the fur, um, like standing tall atop his head. And then Aang joins in and he makes a beard and they're trying to both like make jokes at Katara um, and get her to react. And she's like, I'm just glad that we finally have another girl in the group because you two are disgusting. And then Toph walks into the middle of the crew and she flaunts her fake hairy pits. Um, so I think she is maybe one of the boys in this situation. And even at that, though, Katara starts laughing. And now what, what's it, what I love about this intro is it seems like, oh, it's just a joke, whatever. But it sets up a couple things. It sets up Appa shedding, which is going to be important. It also sets up that Katara has some expectations mm. about what life with Toph is going to be like. She's like, oh, it's great. We have another girl. We're going to have. And so, so 
Katara is projecting a particular kind of energy onto Toph. Yep. And we're going to see if that uh, pans out or not. Right, exactly. Um, so then we go to later that night and the crew sets up the camp um, in the clearing and Katara is upset because she notices that Toph is just resting nearby while they're all setting up camp. And she says, <laughs> she walks over and goes, so Toph, usually when setting up camp, we try to divide up the work. So passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. So, And then Toph's like, oh, don't worry about me. I'm good to go. I describe this as <laughs> kind of like that roommate that we all have. You know, which which goes with your your metaphor here, right? Like, oh, I wrote the word roommates on this. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So there, um, uh, it wasn't my roommate, but Mike's roommate, um, in college left a, a note up that, and uh, it was it was like, please clean the dishes, and like a note about no no conversation, just a, a like a typed up note mm-hmm. above the sink, <laughs> and they're like, and we're we're uh, man. I remember hearing that there was something that I did that was frustrating to my roommate in college, but I didn't hear it through my roommate. I heard it through my other roommate who heard it from her. And it's like <laughs> all these roundabout ways of trying to deal with conflict when we're all young and we don't know how to do it correctly. Absolutely. I mean, in that 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 was the beginning of me thinking about this is like them going off to college. Katara has in the, in the previous scene has these rosy views about, oh, what this is going to be like. And then all of a sudden there's this reality of like, they actually view this differently, right? And what we're going to see is uh, almost competing ideologies about, like, is life communal? Mm. Is life uh, something where everybody kind of fends for themselves? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and when you go off to college and you live with a room, because often, I mean, if you're part of a family, even if you're an only child, if you're part of a big family, your experience is often that you have this deep tie to your family, regardless of how you feel about each other. You may hate each other, but mm. you have this this like blood tie to them, right? But then you have a roommate and you don't have those same ties. And it's this clash of different ways of viewing life. And you're not people who all grew up together. Um, and that's what we're seeing here, right? This They have very different understandings about sort of what this is going to look yeah. like. And, and she is entering in, yes, she's entering into this space of all three of them are so close. They like sleep with their beds side by side mm-hmm. every night. I mean, probably for protection partially, but because they're all so close. And then Toph is like off to the side, kind of relaxing her own space. And it reminds me again of like the expectations of how much time am I going to be spending with you? How much time is appropriate? How much isn't? Exactly. Oh, just brings up so many of those just terrible questions going into college. Um, So uh, Toph's kind of laying with her arms crossed behind her head and she's resting on a rock and she has like a single straw in her mouth. It's just the most like relaxed pose she could be in. And Katara explains to her that uh, they all normally do different tasks to speed up the setup. And she says even Momo does his fair share, to which Momo flies in and drops some acorns in her hands. And Toph says, Katara, I'm fine. I can carry my own weight. I don't need a fire. I've already collected my own food. And look, and she earthbends these two slabs upward that kind of make like a tent above her, um, like angled towards each other. And she said, my tent's all set up. Uh, And neither of them kind of gets through to the other and they they both are just not understanding so katara just abruptly walks away and keeps setting up camp and then um 
we see a quick shot of Aang airbending the heavy saddle off of Appa's back and it squashes it straight on Sokka, which like Sokka did to Toph a couple episodes before. So yeah, what goes around comes around. And Katara looks tired, but she's she's a little softer and I think she realizes she was mean to Toph. So she goes to try to apologize um, while Toph is laying under her rock tent. And she said, I think we're all just a little tired and getting on each other's nerves. And Toph says, yeah, you do seem pretty tired. And Katara goes, I meant all of us. Again, passive aggressive. And Toph turns around, lays down, says goodnight, is not going to have a conversation with her. Um, So then in the middle of the night, we see Toph under her tent and she wakes up to some vibrations that she feels in the ground. And she alerts the crew. She yells, there's something coming toward us. And she runs to the Aangang, feels the ground, and says, it's like an avalanche, but also not an avalanche. And sleepy, groggy Sokka, who's at his peak this episode, goes, your powers of perception are frightening. <laughs> and and what I love about this is there's this tension with Toph, yes. right? But at the same time, it's like... They can they take her seriously when it comes to like oh I'm something's happening we need to we need to react and there isn't it's like that tension goes away in the moment of crisis right exactly and so the crew then gets on Appa and they leave immediately and as they fly above the treetops they can kind of make out this large cloud of dirt and smoke and that's traveling in their direction but they don't know what the source is and Katara even asks like what is that thing. And we get to see it. So it's an armored tank that's racing through an open expanse, kind of like desert-like region, almost like what we saw in Zuko alone. Now, what's interesting is whenever I see these tanks, I think of Teo's father. And I wonder, Mm. like, are there lots of people designing stuff like this? Or are we seeing how far-reaching, like, the technologies that he's developing for the Fire Nation, how far-reaching that is? Right, exactly. Yeah, and... Yes. And it is a massive machine. And, and very uh, fast. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, 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 I have some thoughts on it later. So um, Aang is steering Appa and he's yawning and he has these large dark bags under his eyes. It is so by the end of the episode, like I'm tired looking mm-hmm. at them because um, they all have these bags. Which which makes me think about those days in your life when you end up staying up all night. And when does that happen? College and college, right? There yeah. is th- this has a lot of vibes of like the we're pulling an all nighter for some reason or another, right? And and that again, it's so like the the theme of the episode isn't college, but there's all these things like 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 when I see them being tired and sort of powering through being tired, it's like that's exactly where I go because it's the only time in my life other than. When you first have kids, mm. um, your life's kind of like that. But that's pretty short-lived. College is like four years of, man, I just didn't sleep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so the gang sits separately from one another on Appa's saddle, and they each kind of slightly nod off. I thought that was also an important thing to note. They're all looking right around the different sides of the saddle, but they are all separate. Um, and there is, I think, still some of that tension from earlier. And Appa finally lands with a thump, and it's a pretty rough rough landing because he's tired. Um, And Toph immediately slides off the saddle and drops to the ground and, like, hugs the earth underneath her and says, land, sweet land. Now, what was interesting about this is I realized, like, how troubling flying must be for Toph. Because her whole sense experience of the world has to do with being rooted in the ground and 
listening and feeling vibrations. And presumably every, like you don't get that same thing off of, off of Appa who is a living being and there's blood coursing through it. So there's all this other stuff you'd be feeling. So like the return to the land is actually probably more powerful for her than we give it credit to. It's like turning the lights off and on. Right. Right. I wonder though if, yeah, I wonder if it's really boring up there too. Like she can't sense anything. Right. Except for the people around her. And if they're not willing to talk to her because of some tension, it's like, what am I doing here? But but it's boring. Like sensory deprivation is boring. right? Right. Like that could be real troubling. Right. Although I do wonder, like, what her daily is like and how how overstimulated she is by everything around her, given her abilities. But too. I think if that's your everyday, you just yeah. you just uh, acclimatize yourself to that. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. So then Toph says, "I'll see you guys in the morning." And Katara's angry, and she says, "Can you help us unload?" And Toph goes, "You need me to help unload Sokka's funky smell and sleeping bag." And she's still like in decent spirits. Um, Toph is. And Sokka in the background sniffs the bag and, like, gets nauseous. <laughs> it's, it's a great moment. And Katara says, you're a part of our team now. And Toph points towards Katara as she speaks and says, look, I didn't ask you to unload my stuff. I'm carrying my own weight. And Katara storms after Toph as she walks away. And <laughs> she, like, f- her fists are kind of tensed up in, like, balls as she's storming away. And she says, you've been nothing but selfish and unhelpful. And Toph says, look here, sugar queen. I gave up everything I had so that I could teach Aang earthbending. So don't talk to me about being selfish. And she drops to a sitting position and makes her rock tent. And she this time adds a door. So it's like she's slamming a door in her roommate's face. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. Uh, I, I thought this this insult of sugar queen, it, it, it puzzles <laughs> Katara too. Like I'm not exactly. It's that like like she's just nice and sweet. Is that the is that what? Yeah, maybe. But like fake sweet. Right. She's right. Being right. Passive aggressive. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Minnesota nice kind of Katara. And. Katara pounds on the door and yells at her, and she's like, you're so infuriating. And Aang and Momo and Sokka watch them all from a distance, the three boys. And Aang says, should we do something? And Sokka's like, I'm just enjoying the show. But Aang cautiously approaches the girls fighting, and he's holding out his hands to kind of calm and soothe, holding them out in front of, in front of him towards them. And he says, okay, okay. You both just need to calm down. Who does Ang sound like in a situation like this? He's like an RA, right? Yes. This is there. There are multiple moments of RA Ang here. Who's like, okay, we're going to step in. We're going to try to calm everybody down. We're going to get people to like use I statements. Talk yes. about your, like, he's he is, which is funny because that's not the role we usually see Ang into. But it is like a like a version of Avatar, right? Like, how do we bring balance? Yes. So we get we get R.A. Aang doing that. And you know what? Sometimes R.A.s are really effective and other times they are really not. And I think he realizes that. So Katara swings around and stares at him and the camera's like in her face. And um, the animation makes her look livid and slightly crazed. And she yells, both. I'm completely calm. And her eyes are like cartoonishly wide, bloodshot, her one eyelid is twitching and Aang stands still as a board and he goes, oh, uh, I can I can see that. And he just backs away quietly. Um, still then, the same night, Aang, the Aang gang minus Toph is sleeping in a row of sleeping bags alongside each other. But Katara is wide awake and she's staring up at the night sky. And she says, the stars sure are beautiful tonight. Too bad you can't see them, Toph. 
I this is this is one of the darkest Katara moments because it's like just an insult, like just saying like basically you're disabled. Yeah, yes, like it's bad. Yes, it is terrible. I'm not going to excuse it, but I will say I'm the kind of person that in the middle of the night lays awake, stares up into the darkness and thinks about all the ways I could have like <laughs> right, right. responded better. Yeah, you know? she's definitely replaying every conversation and coming up with comebacks. Yeah, and that is the the worst thing she probably could have said. And uh, at that, though, Toph sends a lump of earth kind of across the ground. It's like a mini earthquake move that she does mm-hmm. a lot. And it hits Katara's sleeping bag and Katara screams and she falls. She like flies through the air and falls on Sokka. And he goes, how's a guy supposed to sleep with all this yelling and earthquaking? And Toph then feels the same vibrations in the ground from before. And the crew looks up to see smoke coming toward them. And so again, they have to get up, put everything back on Appa and fly off. Okay. One more college connection here. So this is like a combination of an all-nighter and a road trip. Right, because they're con- they're like this is them on the road too, and and I don't know if in college if you ever did an all nighter road trip, they're brutal because you're fighting to stay awake. Yes, exactly, and your eyes are just drooping, and also road trips with friends can go real well yep. or real poorly. Yep. Um, so then we see the armored tank, and we realize that attached to this tank is a passenger car, and it's still driving towards them very fast. And the crew rubs their eyes, um, the in-gang yawning, wondering what this thing is, how it keeps finding them. And we see these different shots of Appa flying over cliffs and valleys and forests. It's a really beautiful part, I'm assuming, of the Earth Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And he finally lands high up on this mountain ridge and immediately collapses when he hits the ground and starts snoring. Um, I got to say, I feel so bad for Appa this whole episode. Me too. Yeah. The boy has been traveling for like, I mean, how long have we been on this journey with them? Well, and and even especially the like, again, if you've ever been really tired and then you get finally get to stop and sleep and then they're like, wake back up, you're back at work. And it's almost like it would be better if I just hadn't fallen asleep. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, so the crew uh, throw off his saddle. Sokka said, let's just forget setup. I'm going to go find a soft pile of dirt to sleep in. And Katara goes, that's good because Toph wasn't going to help anyway. And she just keeps she keeps poking. That's it's a frustrating episode for Katara, I think. But realistic. Like, I, I yes. get why. Yes, for yeah, sure. Yeah. And Toph goes, oh, I didn't realize baby still needed someone to tuck her in bed. And so the gang quickly thinks about, you know, who might be tracking them after <laughs> after this fight. And um, one of them mentions Zuko and Toph says, oh, who like, who's that? I've never heard of him. And Sokka goes, oh, he's just some angry freak with a ponytail who's tracked us all over the world. And Katara says, what's wrong with ponytails? Ponytail. And Sokka's face is in the dirt and he points at his hair without looking up and he says, this is a warrior's wolf tail. And Katara goes, well, tells the other warriors that you're fun and perky. <laughs> I love sarcastic Katara too, <laughs> yes, though. I'm like, yes. this is me sleepy. You know what this also makes me realize is they haven't seen Zuko this yeah. season. Oh my gosh, you're right. Because they don't know that he doesn't have a ponytail. Yeah. They haven't seen him since like uh, the... Siege of the North. Yeah. I, that hadn't occurred to me until realizing they're describing him in a way that's actually not an apt description anymore. True. But they don't know that. And, yeah, and any posters for him that are up are of what he used to look like. Right. Oh, yeah, you're right. So the gang um, thinks like, okay, we can finally sleep. 
But then Momo starts shrieking and jumping up and down on Sokka's chest and gesturing towards the distance. And Toph confirms what Momo is sensing too. And she says, uh, the tank has caught up with them. So Aang suggests that they hold their ground, maybe even meet them. Perhaps they could be friendly. Such an Aang thing to say. And um, the tank then comes to a stop and the second passenger car opens. Uh, It's kind of down, um, still quite a distance away, uh, but up high on the ridge, same level as, as Appa and the gang. And it opens to reveal the silhouettes of three people riding green and i looked up what they were um but i think they maybe say it too do they say i don't think so okay i looked it up um they're mongoose lizards they mostly look lizard like yeah but huge Mm -hmm. and on those on those lizards are tylee may and azula and their faces are revealed as the smoke settles so this could be like the rival sorority maybe <laughs> i mean again i'm laboring it now but <laughs> we talked before them about them as mean how, girls right yeah yes exactly those three girls have very stereotypical behaviors um so we get a little commercial break and then the three mongoose lizards charge the ang gang so clearly not friendly and um Aang and the crew recognize them as the three girls that they had met in Omashu. Which again reminds me, not only have they not seen, uh, they have not seen Zuko, they don't know who these people are. Yeah, yes, they don't know their names. They're just like, oh yeah, those girls that fought us yeah. in, in Omashu. Um, so the Aang gang assumes their fighting positions and, and Toph says, they're kind of all in a row. And Toph says that they can take them on three on three. And Sokka gives her kind of a side eye and is like, um, no, there's four people in, in this group, actually. And Toph goes, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't count you. You know, no bending and all. And Sokka erupts and says, I can still fight. And Toph says, three on three plus Sokka. Yeah, and 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 there's, it, it just, it, it always breaks my heart to think about like Sokka. Okay, I'm going to make the college connection here again, <laughs> right? Because um, when you're, if, if you come from a small town, you know, you think of yourself, maybe like you were the smartest kid in your high school or even the valedictorian of your high school. And you go off to college and realize, oh, there's all these other people here who are, who have had totally different experiences and are way smarter than me. And maybe they had all these AP classes that my high school didn't even have. It's like Sokka's experiencing this is like, oh yeah. So I'm around like all the like superstar kids and no matter what I was in my home, I'm not one of I'm not one of yes. you. Yes, and it's meant to play off, I think, funny, but at the same time, it is sad. It, I, it, I he, always feel that way. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's something that he's he mentions almost every episode. Something a lot. <laughs> also, because that. it's something he has no control over. Mm-hmm. He does. It's not that he chose to not be a bender. It's not that he didn't work hard enough. It's just he's not. Yeah. Yes. And so. Um, Toph then sends boulders through the ground at the lizards uh, as they're running at them, but they easily climb over the boulders and just keep running. And the Aang gang jumps back onto Appa to escape. They realize this is not a good situation. But um, before they go, Toph raises a wall of earth up as a barrier between them and the mongoose lizards. But Azula, uh, lightning strikes the wall and breaks through. And the Aang gang then flies off just in time. But Appa is exhausted and his eyes are blinking heavily and they wonder, you know, how long we can keep going. So from Appa's saddle, Katara says, I I can't believe those girls followed us all the way from Omashu. They have to know that Azula is at least a firebender, right? Sure. They can tell by the way that they're dressed. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. 
Although sometimes yeah, in the show. That's true. That's true. <laughs> those, those don't... But Azula definitely reads as Firebender. Yes, everything about her. Um, and Toph said, I still think we could we could have taken him. And Katara goes, that crazy blue firebending and the flying... Oh, there we go. Yep, firebending. The crazy blue firebending and the flying daggers are bad enough. But the last time we saw them, one of those girls did something that took my bending away. And I forgot about this. Me too. Ty Lee. Yeah. Because Ty Lee and May don't have bending abilities, right? And that's the other thing that, that I... Like, it just didn't occur to me when she was getting her team together. It's very interesting. Well, we don't... N- we don't know that May and Tylee don't, but you'd think they would have shown it if they did. Right. So it's weird that these are like high-ranking Fire Nation, children of high-ranking Fire Nation people, presumably because they went to this, I forget what the name of the school was, <laughs> yes. but it was- It's, it's like it's the all-girls- The Royal Academy for- Princess school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, but they're not firebenders. So like, I don't know what being a firebender means in, in, in this society. You right. know, um, we know that- Presumably the Fire Lord has to be a firebender, I would think. It would be strange. And, you know, and maybe – and I don't know how much of this is – genetics, maybe not the right word, but like passed down in families because sure. obviously Zuko and Azula are both firebenders. Their father's a firebender. Like, like how much of that sort of passes through? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I also wonder if Azula wouldn't want to have any firebenders in her group with her because she doesn't want to be outshone. Because it makes – it keeps her special. Yeah. Yep. You know, that's really interesting. <laughs> So um, Sokka groans that the sun is already rising and they still haven't slept at all. I At this point, I was like, this is all the same night. Like, we are halfway through this episode. And he says, I've never not slept before. But what if I fall asleep and something happens? Something always happens. And this is uh, – I'm going to make – I have only a couple more college things. But I think college is the first time that I felt the kind of like – I'm staying awake for FOMO purposes where it's like something mm. something might happen. So I remember spending a lot of time sitting in like dorm lounges all night because it's like, well, what if something cool happens and I miss it? Yeah. So Sokka's expressing a little bit of that in a maybe different direction. Oh, my gosh. College was the first time I drank dark like black coffee plain and I was wired. I like went home the next day and was still caffeinated. And my parents are like, something's wrong with her. <laughs> um, but I, I like that we see like – Sleep-derived versions of our our three main folks. And I I wrote down that Sleepy Katara is snarky, funny, but, like, biting. Mm -hmm. Sleepy Toph is angry. (laughs) Sleepy Sokka is chaotic and paranoid. And Sleepy Aang is, like, kind of still pretty Mm level-headed, at least for now. He seems so. Um, But the gang realizes that they can't keep flying forever. Appa's not a machine. So they're at some point going to have to land. And then we get a great quick scene of the tracks of Azula's Fire Nation um, uh, tank going through. Uh, They're following at a high speed, and those tracks are deep. And we see Zuko on his ostrich horse following the tracks. So that's where I'm like, "This, this tank is probably something that he's familiar with if he knows he's following these tracks. And so then it's like, is he following... Does he know that they're on the trail of Aang or is he simply following his sister? He wouldn't know anything about being on the trail of Aang. He could, I, um, yeah, unless um, because there is fur, right, which we'll talk about it in a sec. But there's like the fur trailing uh, yeah, too. Maybe. But yeah, and then it's like why? And we do we do know that Zuko is a tracker because he did this in the Winter Solstice too, right? He he tracks Iroh, so uh, they captured Iroh. So you're right. No, you're you're, you're right. He actually may be 
um, tuned into the fact that these tracks are also following this trail of fruit. Yeah, no, he's yeah, an exp- yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah. But but also like he could just be following his sister. Like sure. I don't know. Sure, I'm curious, and I don't think we ever really learn what his idea is. But um, he's but we do see that he's not very far behind the tank. And then we go back to the Aang gang on Appa, and they're they're too tired to come up with a plan. But Appa falls asleep mid-flight, and his legs are, like, splayed out, and he's dropping suddenly from the sky directly down. And the Aang gang holds onto his saddle, uh, but barely. They're all, they're all like, fl- their legs are flailing in the air. And Aang climbs down onto Appa, Appa's face, and he just pleads for him to wake up. And Appa does right before hitting the tops of the trees, but he's unable to land safely. And so he kind of clumsily slams through oncoming trees and finally hits the ground and snores as soon as he lands. So Sokka says, okay, we've put a lot of distance between us and them. And he decides that the gang should do what Appa's doing, sleep. Guitar says, could have gotten sleep earlier if Toph didn't have such issues. And Toph says, What? And now we get kind of level-headed Aang stepping in and going, okay, everyone's tired. Let's just get some rest. And Toph says, no, I want to hear what Katara has to say. You think I have issues. And Katara goes, maybe if you helped out earlier, we could have set up camp earlier and gotten some sleep. She's not wrong. Right. And then Aang tries to stand between them, keep the peace, but they approach each other and <laughs> I think like toss him aside. And uh, Toph and Katara come face to face. And Toph said, I never asked you for diddly doo I carry my own weight. Besides, if there's anyone to blame, it's Shetty over here. And I think this is such an interesting, I know we're going to get to Appa, but 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 this is such an interesting thing, I think, especially for kids to watch. Because mm. um, we, we talked about the roommate stuff and things like this, but there really is also embedded in this a kind of ideological debate about your social responsibility right mm. like is is the and, and 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 you know is the world a world where you look out for yourself and as long as you are self-sufficient is that the goal to be self-sufficient or is the goal to be part of this intertwined society right yeah, i mean a collective yeah exactly right and 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 that's what's interesting here is we're seeing two people have a debate and they are pretty rooted in their ideology. Yeah. Right. So it's like you're not going to convince each other with logic, but but I think it is interesting to see that tension there. It's like like what should life look like? Mm. Uh, and that's we see this in these two characters. Yeah, I like that you said that too because um, I think this is the third time Toph has said in this episode, "I carry my own weight." Like that is a defining part of who she is, mm-hmm. and probably has to do some with her background with her parents, like making sure that. Every part of her life is dictated. Also probably has to do with perhaps how people um, misunderstand her because of her disability. Yeah. No, I think that's very common to feel like because I um, because I have a disability, that means I'm helpless. So to compensate for that, it's like I don't want any help. Mm. And therefore, you create this world where the goal is to not need help. So therefore, why would you help somebody else? Because mm-hmm. everybody should just try to not need help. Right. Exactly. And it's almost like it's like an overcompensating on that. Right. And when Toph <laughs> yells at Shetty, she calls him, Aang is done. Like Aang is not level-headed anymore. And he says, you're blaming Appa. And Toph explains that the girls keep finding them because they're following Appa's trail of fur. She like holds up some of his fur on the ground. 
And Aang says, he kind of erupts and he says, how dare you blame Appa? He saved your life three times today. If there's anyone to blame, it's you. You're always talking about carrying your own weight, but you're not. He is. Appa's carrying your weight. He never had a problem flying when it was just the three of us. Whew. Also kind of not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, literally, he's carrying her weight. Yeah. I also love that the thing that triggers him the most, Aang the most, is Appa. Mm -hmm. Well, it's sort of like, you know, in a group of friends when there's, like, there that there's somebody who, sometimes it's like, you just, you can't say something bad about that person. Yes. Right? That person is, all they're doing is they're just here to help. They're right. just doing this. And when, when the anger gets directed at that person, all of a sudden it's like, people flip it's like no 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 like like you can you can argue with me you can argue with this person but but they're yes they're off limits it's like me and my little brother it's like a it's a family thing for sure like you can make fun like i can make fun of my family you can't mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. mentality and ang's appa's ang's only family right you know right um so toff's face though becomes expressionless after she's yelled at and she just turns around and she says i'm leaving and Sokka tries to stop her and he stands in her way, but she takes a step and shifts the earth underneath him and just slides him away. And he's like, what just happened? Where am I? <laughs> uh, but also, Toph's not wrong either, because we cut to the tank racing through the field and it's following Appa's fur that's floating down from the sky. And it's so interesting that she's the one who notices this. Yes. You know, that she's the one who or who puts it together. You yes. Know? And I will say this was an opportunity for Detective Sokka to have come up with this. <laughs> I know, but none of, they were saying like, we're all tired. We don't yep. have a plan. Yep. Right. Yep. So even, even Detective Sokka is a step behind. And now we see anguished Aang and he goes, what did I just do? And he slumps to the ground. Uh, his back is up against a sleeping Appa. And he says, I can't believe I yelled at my earthbending teacher. And Katara is with him, and she says, I know, we're all just trying to get used to each other. And I was so mean to her. And Sokka from his sleeping bag far away goes, yeah, you two are pretty much jerks. <laughs> and Katara's like, thanks, Sokka. And he's like, no problem. And Katara says that they should find her and apologize. And, and Sokka says, okay, sure. But what are we going to do about the tank full of dangerous ladies chasing us? But now Aang has a plan. And um, he has Appa go into a stream nearby and Aang and Katara start waterbending to clean on both sides of him. And like, we see a lots of clumps of hair just floating down the river. I also thought this was slightly gross. Mm -hmm. Did you? You're but, not a pet owner. Well, yeah, I just don't have as much experience. Like it seems like I just saw it as like, well, that's a great idea. Yeah. Like, let's just accelerate the shedding. Oh, I've just had to wash dogs and cats and it is not And fun. I have not. So, <laughs> And even Momo like has a brush somehow. <laughs> Where did this brush come from? But he's sitting on top of Appa's head and brushing the fur. And, um, and, and Sokka's standing in the river, also brushing Appa. They are all like, we appreciate you. Um, and the fur travels downstream. And so now we have a clean Appa, and he sits behind the stream, maybe a little more rested from before. And Aang says that they need to leave his saddle and all their stuff there um, if they're going to go out and look for Toth. And that's so that Appa will be able to fly, that he'll be okay. And so Aang scoops up clumps of fur on the ground to take with him, and his plan is to leave a fake trail in a different direction to lead the girls off course. And so they split up. Appa and the crew, minus Aang, fly off in one direction, and then Aang air glides in another direction. And then, somewhere else off in the forest, Toph is walking alone. 
and she senses something with her feet and she immediately turns towards it and stomps the earth. And she sends this mini kind of earthquake toward a large rock nearby and hears a faint ugh from behind it. And Toph readies to fight. She jumps on the boulder, but she finds or feels behind the boulder an old man slumped over in pain. And he's wearing earthbending clothes and uh, or earth kingdom clothes. And we see Iroh's face revealed. And he says, that really hurt my tailbone. How excited were you at this point? Because there's always this great moment when it's like we have these different groups of people and you just realize, oh, we're going to get a pairing that we haven't seen before. And like two very powerful benders, two strong philosophies that are very different. Mm -hmm. It's like I... I just want to know where this happens. Like, like it hadn't occurred to me that I wanted to see Iroh and Toph. Yes. But once I saw it, I was like, yep, this is, I just want this. This two, is what I and want. And two deeply misunderstood people mm-hmm. who both have members of their family that they either are not with because of choice or because of their family members' mm-hmm. choice, right? Yep. It's like- They're, they're exiles the, from their families. They're yeah. the perfect pairing. Yeah. I, and I just wouldn't wanted him to like- Give her a hug. I don't know. Anyway, I was really thrilled. And we realize everyone's kind of in the same place where the Earth Kingdom feels so massive. But now we have a tank. Zuko's right behind it. The tank's right behind Aang and the Aang gang. And then we have Iroh in the forest with Toph. Yeah, it's like it's like in, in uh, a, a maybe like a, a Marvel movie, like an Avengers movie, when you realize, oh, everybody from all these disparate things that we've been tracking are now, you're starting to realize they're all sort of headed in the same yeah. direction. Yeah. And they're, and, and it's like this, so this is, and this is a sense of we're thinking about this season. Oh, this story is starting to come together now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we then, though, we don't get much with Iron Toph at that point, and we go to the three girls, um, Azula, Tylee, and May, and they're standing in a stream, and Azula picks up what she calls a wad of fur, and she says, how delightful. I can never tell if it's true delight or if it's not. She's like... <laughs> I think this is not. She, I mean, yeah, I guess it's part of the trail, though. Like, she has, she's piecing things together. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I know, it's never delightful to come across wet fur. And Tylee says cheerily, ah, I think they're more like bundles or bunches. It's got that ah uh, sound. And then May goes, um, clumps. And that's the word Tylee was looking for. So she squeals and hugs May. And like, look, all three of these girls bother me so much, but I kind of like the May Tylee. I was going to say, that's kind of fun. <laughs> like every, every middle school girl like had that pairing of mm-hmm. like the super outgoing, bubbly, bright, positive, and then the like brooding, like, uh, yeah. But they were friends for yes, some reason. Yes. It's like, this does not match, but I love it. And so they notice um, that the trail goes, uh, the trail of fur goes one way in the dirt. But Azula sees the treetops broken in the other direction. And so she pieces together that Aang's, uh, Aang's got a plan. And Azula says that Tylee and May should follow the Appa tree trail and that she will follow Aang's fake fur trail. And they leave their tank behind and they travel on their mongoose lizards. So let me get a shot of Aang soaring um, to the edge of the forest. And he enters this kind of desert-like region with fur flying out of his bag as he's, as he's gliding. And he sees this ghost town in the desert. And he lands in it, and he he walks to the dead center of the main street and sits down cross-legged, waiting. And the trail leads directly to him. So I was like, oh, Aang knows exactly what's going to happen, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think the first time I watched this, I did not realize how 
premeditated everything was by Aang. Like, he didn't want his friends to face them, right? So he was, like, not willing to sacrifice them, but he knew that they would force him to allow them to come with, mm-hmm. right? And to face them head on like he wanted to do before. Yep. And and Aang, is, I mean, this is still undefeated Aang. Like, like Aang is still maybe the most powerful person that we've encountered or at least raw power wise. And yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, and it allows him to, like you said, draw his, draw them to a place where his friends aren't and say, let me, let me handle this. Which is also something we've seen not always work out super well for him. And Mm -hmm. kind of one of the themes is keep your friends with you. You're going to need them. Right. Like Boomy said. So it's like, I think that this is maybe one of Aang's faults being shown of like, I can handle it on my own, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's like, that's the one thing about Aang that I feel like is a very strong character flaw is the idea that like he also, similar to Toph, feels like he can carry his own weight and do it on his own. And he doesn't want to hurt other people. Well, and and he has, he's bearing the weight of being the Avatar, which is, he's... His, I mean, we don't see a lot of pictures of Roku hanging out with his friends or right. <laughs> Kiyoshi hanging out with her friends, right? Like it's like they're supposed to be this thing. And as we said in, in past episodes, maybe having close friends makes it harder to be the Avatar. Right, right. So um, then we go back to Appa flying low and Sokka and Katara are looking over the saddle trying to find any signs of Toph. But they realize like she couldn't have gone far. And then Momo begins hissing. And this time, instead of dismissing Momo, Sokka's like, what's the matter? Like, where is it? I love that Sokka is tuning into the animals more and more. And he also sees that the two mongoose lizards are right on their trail. So Katara urges Appa to quicken his pace, but he's so tired that he's just kind of slowly falling. (laughs) And uh, Katara sees a river up ahead and she says, we just need to make it across. And it's a source of power for her to be by the water. So Appa flies, um, but he slowly descends and he hits more and more treetops. And May is down below on the lizard um, shooting like knives and and wooden arrows at them, which Sokka dodges. Um, this I, I love the like slow descent across uh, across the river because again, if we're thinking of road trips, I don't know if you've ever had the feeling of like we have just so much gas and it's like we just need to make it to this next town where the gas station is and you're sweating it out like, yep. are we going to make it? Are we going to make it? And that's the feeling as they're crossing that river. It's so sad. So Appa does make it though. He crash lands onto the other side of the river and the crew thinks they're safe. But they realize that mongoose lizards can run across the water. They are terrifying creatures. But they do look kind of silly running across the they water, They do. Too. They're like up on two legs, <laughs> right. kind of, yeah, running across. Um, so Katara sends a wave of water and is able to take out one of the lizards. But Ty Lee jumps, it's Ty Lee's lizard, and she jumps up high in the air and lands nearby and like parkours off of the trees. Like this girl is very talented. I guess she, you know, worked for the circus. So I guess that makes sense. And um, Ty Lee approaches Katara and tries to jab at her like before, but Katara is able to to dodge away. But then May comes up and throws wooden arrows at Katara, and Sokka is able to jump in and use his knife as a shield. Um, and then they kind of switch, right? Like Ty Lee and May are like, oh, let's let's switch folks. So Ty Lee then charges Sokka and is able to jab him from behind uh, on each of his limbs. And it's just kind of like a slow jab limb by limb, and he's losing all his feeling. It's sort of like uh, in in Monty Python and the Holy Grail when when he's Arthur's fighting the the knight and he's like he cuts off one yes. arm and another and then he like tries to kick and it's like okay we're gonna take that away yes it's like it's really funny it's a funny scene 
and uh, May corners Katara against a large tree and tosses arrows that stick to her sleeves um, onto the trunk so that Katara can't waterbend anymore. And so she's cornered. Sokka kind of crawls over, um, half paralyzed to Katara. And he turns around the girls and is like, so, uh, how's it going? And May shrugs, arms crossed. I love that she answers that. And she said, I thought when Ty Lee and I finally caught you, it would be more exciting. Oh, well, victory is boring. And suddenly both May and Ty Lee are thrown into the air and they land far off in the river. And I was like, oh, is Aang back? Nope, it's Appa's tail. So he did his like tail whip that sent them flying. And uh, Sokka goes, thanks, Appa. I don't know what we'd do without you. And again, still paralyzed on the ground. And Sokka comes up and licks his face. Or um, <laughs> Appa comes up. <laughs> Sokka doesn't lick Appa's face. <laughs> Just to be clear. So May and Ty Lee then swim to shore and Ty Lee goes, was it just me or was that guy kind of cute? Now, what's interesting here is they still, they get blown away, but they still have Katara and Sokka in a pretty tough spot here. Yeah. And they kind of just let it go. Yeah. Like they, they don't, they don't push that at all, which is like, there's probably an opportunity to capture these people because they are Aang's friends and wouldn't that be a great bait for the Avatar? Yeah. I don't really get, I don't know. I don't really get why it just ended there. Yeah. Yeah. But. um, Maybe they're not evil masterminds. I mean, Azula would have, would have kept them as bait. Yes. She, yes. Uh, She doesn't stop. But I think, yeah, these girls are kind of like, oh, we're doing it for our friends and he's kind of cute. They're not committed to the mission in the same way. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So then back in the ghost town, Aang is waiting in the center of the street still, and the sun is setting. It's the golden hour. It's beautiful. And it is very much a Western still. Um, so it picks up on some of those same feelings and themes from the last episode. And Azula's um, silhouette emerges on top of her mongoose lizard, and they enter town with the sun behind them. And Azula dismounts. And Aang says, all right, you've caught up with me. Now, who are you and what do you want? They're standing on opposite ends of the street like Mm -hmm. a a showdown. Yep. And Azula says, you mean you haven't guessed? You don't see the family resemblance? Here's a hint. And she raises one hand to cover half of her face and one of her eyes to imitate Zuko. And she says, I must find the Avatar to restore my honor. And Aang stares unflinching. And Azula says, you can laugh. It's funny. She goes, now it's over. You're tired and you have no place to go. You can run, but I'll catch you. And Aang stands up, staff in hand, and he says, I am not running. And the corner of Azula's mouth raises in a small smile. Which is interesting because it's this moment where you can say, well, Aang doesn't know what he's gotten himself into. But also Azula (laughs) doesn't know what she's gotten herself into. Yes, but she's so proud that she thinks, you know, like she thinks so highly of herself. Right. But but we saw this with Zuko. Zuko thought this too when he's like, okay, me and the Avatar, let's do it. And every time gets blown away. Yes. So so like like I – We'll find out that we don't really get to see this confrontation. But, like, I'm curious, actually, what would have happened? Yeah, me too. So then along um, along a river high up with dozens of, of small green mountains, it's really picturesque. We see Iroh and Toph, and they're sitting at a campfire together on opposite sides. And Iroh's pouring her tea from a handmade wooden tea set, which I was like, did he make that? 
he has his ways. I'm, I'm like, I mean, I'm sure he didn't pay a lot for it. I'm sure he got a bargain. <laughs> I like to think that he made it. He's just like chiseling wood. Um, and he stretches out a cup to give to Toph and says, you seem a little too young to be traveling alone. And Toph goes, well, you seem a little too old. And Ira like heartily laughs. And he says, perhaps I am. Toph says, I know what you're thinking. I look like I can't handle being by myself. And Ira says, I wasn't thinking that. And Toph goes, you wouldn't let me pour my own cup of tea. And Ira said, I poured your tea because I wanted to and for no other reason. And now we get a lot of conversation with them. So I'm just going to read through. Is that okay? Yeah. And I will say if we want, if we, if we're keeping our college metaphor going very labored at this point, I wrote, this is sort of like Toph is meeting with um, like a counselor or a prof. And it's like, you know, and, or, or like an upperclassman who's like, okay, let's, let's try to make some sense out of what's happening in your life. Somebody with a little bit cooler head. Yes. This is not one of the freshmen. Yes. I, uh, yes. I think like a prof that like doesn't use their overhead lights, but they have like the little lamp. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely like like a philosophy professor's office. Not like a historian. Historians all use the fluorescent lights. (laughs) Yes. Um, so uh, and and like that, Iroh doesn't have to really say much more and Toph just continues to open up and she says, people see me and think that I'm weak. They want to take care of me, but I can take care of myself by myself. And Iroh says, you sound like my nephew, always thinking you need to do things on your own without anyone's support. There's nothing wrong with letting people who love you help you. And he says, not that I love you. Well, I just met you. And now it's Toph's turn to heartily laugh. I'm so laugh. glad he said that, though, because <laughs> it, it's it's like it would have been cr- like a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that he like said that last part, I was like, oh, good. And he made it a joke and he knows he's talking to a 12 year old who like will think that that's hilarious. Right. And I loved it. I thought it was great. And I, I don't know that we've seen Toph like laugh out of joy. <laughs> I feel like we've seen her laugh when she like beats someone. <laughs> well, it is interesting because we get this picture where he's saying Toph is like Zuko, yeah. right? And what you just said before on this same account is that Aang kind of has this tendency to be like Toph. So it's like they're now like a like a trio of people who mm. um, need to learn to think about how how do we help each other mm-hmm. sometimes? Or how do we not just put everything on our own shoulders? Yes, exactly. And Toph asks, so where is your nephew? And Ira goes, I've been tracking him. And Ira says, or Toph says, is he lost? And Ira takes a slow sip of tea and he says, yes, a little bit. His life has recently changed and he's going through very difficult times. He's trying to figure out who he is and he went away. And Toph's face subtly twitches. And I thought maybe because she's thinking of her and her parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and she sees that she's staring into a mirror. Yep. You know, in terms of thinking about this person he's describing. Yep. And so she says, so now you're following him. And Ira said, I know he doesn't want me around right now, but he needs me. If he needs me, I'll be there. And Toph said, your nephew is very lucky, even if he doesn't know it. And Toph thanks Iroh and stands to leave. And Iroh says, my pleasure. Sharing tea with a fascinating stranger is one of life's true delights. It's just an Iroh mission statement right I, there. W- the first time Mike watched this with me, he, we like paused and he was like, I like, I love that. <laughs> like, that's really great. Yeah. Right? And Toph goes, no, thank you for what you said. It helped me. Oh, and your nephew. Maybe you should let him know that you need him too. I loved this because it was... This is not just 
Iroh dispensing wisdom to Toph, but Toph turns it back on him and it's like, I have some wisdom for you too. I have some advice for you as well. Yes, from being someone like your nephew, Mm -hmm. I need to hear this too. Mm -hmm. Yep. So back at the showdown between Azula and Aang, Aang asks if, or Azula asks if Aang really wants to fight her. And she hears a response call out from somewhere else. Yes, I really do. And Zuko emerges into the street and takes off his hat, which is taking off his disguise. So he's like revealing that he now has this short, amount of hair he doesn't have a ponytail like he has cut off his identity with the fire nation and i don't know that azula knows that so Does the, she? no i don't think so because yeah. they haven't they have not encountered each other either right yeah so, so i the same way like when iroh shows up it's like this is another one of those like oh everybody's really in the same place now yeah yeah i was very exciting i know me too um okay so then ang um but ang is surprised by zuko being there he's like zuko and azula isn't surprised and she says i was wondering when you were going to show up zuzu and now ang laughs at the nickname and it's nice just to see lighthearted ang still has the bags under his eyes but he's laughing and Zuko stands between the two of them, and he holds out his hands in both directions, prepared to fire bend, kind of like in a in a shootout where you'd have mm-hmm. the person standing between, and they're kind of looking yep. at yep. either end. Yes, this is a, a standoff like that. Standoff. There we go. That's what it's called. So then Zuko, um, so all three of them kind of exchange looks, and um, Zuko says, "Back off, Azula. He's mine." And they ready their weapons, kind of tense moment, just waiting for somebody, anybody to move. And Azula's the first one to do it. And she lightning bends at Zuko, launching him back into a nearby storefront. And Aang tries to evade and avoid, so he flies off, but Azula is able to shoot him down. Um, And he kind of gets caught in between Azula and Zuko, uh, like, firebending at each other. And Zuko's only attacking Azula, as far as I could see. Mm Mm-hmm. And Azula is attacking both Zuko and Aang. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is just a great scene because there, there, there's so many directions that it's going, you know. Yeah. And it's like who who is fighting who, and and like what what result does each person want? Yeah, yes, is really interesting. Exactly, because we see something strange happen with Aang too. So Aang runs up this nearby staircase and he enters a door and. <laughs> It's um, kind of hard to explain, but, like, it's a second story, and this is a ghost town, right? So all the buildings are, like, old and dilapidated. And so he enters this door, and Azula is chasing him, but she stops just in time because on the other side of the door, on the second story, there's, like, no floor. It's like the floor has collapsed. Yeah. Yes. So there's just, like, a little ring around the wall um, of a floor. So she is able to stay there, um, stay up on the ledge and clings to the wall. But then Zuko runs up and he just, he doesn't look and he falls like literally into the trap set for Azula. Which is interesting because this is, this is one of those moments where we know that Aang and Azula share something, that they're both these prodigies and Zuko hasn't been that. And we're seeing like, <laughs> yep, this is, this is what the, the one who's a little less special, like they, they don't yes. figure this stuff out. It's almost like when Sokka, Katara, Aang are off doing something and Sokka like, Yep. <laughs> is a little behind because he doesn't have certain abilities. Um, so Aang, though, is like floating in the center on, on a ball of air in on this second story building. And he watches Zuko fall. And I his face looks like remorseful. Like he looks 
he it looks like he feels bad that Zuko fell. Right, and he it's because he doesn't know who to root for. Right. It's like should I be should are Zuko and I teamed up at this point? Yes, because even when he saw Zuko, he didn't yell out his name in fear or in anger. It was like, oh, you're here. What's going to happen next? Um, so Aang then runs out of the room back into the street, and we see Zuko fly through the wall of the building from another Azula attack. So everyone's back in the street again, and Aang flies to a rooftop to try to escape, but Azula strikes it and crumble, and it crumbles beneath him, and he kind of lands with rubble, debris, on top of him inside of an old building. And Azula enters through the door, and she sets the walls on fire. And Aang can't move his arms under the debris. And so Azula has him trapped, and she's about to strike. But from behind her, we see Katara water whip her hand. And she also is able to free Aang from the debris by using water, too. So they chase each other back into the street, and then Sokka joins. <laughs> and so, every- so at this point, you can feel what's happening. It's yes. like, everybody's here. We're going to get this show. And this feels like, again, I want to remind you, this is episode nine of this yeah. season, um, which is which is crazy because it feels like shouldn't this shouldn't we have to wait for this why are we getting everybody together right now it's it's very exciting because it feels like we're or excuse me episode eight it feels like we're we're like ahead of where we should be yeah exactly um so then zuko wakes up kind of from when he fell on the ground and he wakes up to iroh standing over him so again another person there and he goes uncle and iroh says get up and extends his hand to zuko so Sokka, Katara, and Aang are all fighting against Azula in the street. And then Toph enters and Earth bends the ground underneath Azula and makes her fall. And she said, I thought you guys could use a little help. So they're all reunited. And there's kind of a moment of, uh, throughout the rest of the episode, it's it's like Katara appreciating Toph's presence. And um, the four of them then chase Azula, who runs into another old building and she runs straight into Iroh's belly and, like, bounces off of it. So Azula's cornered by the entire group, both groups, Iroh and Zuko, and then the Aang gang. And she says, well, look at this. Enemies and traitors all working together. I'm done. I know when I'm beaten. And she holds her arms up in surrender and says, a princess surrenders with honor. But Iroh, out of the corner of his eye, like, looks to his left, and he notices Toph, and then he notices that Avatar. So he's, like, piecing it together that she's with the Avatar. Uh, But his one second of distraction is enough for Azula to attack him with lightning directly in his chest. So he falls back, and Zuko yells in horror. And then Zuko and Toph and Katara and Aang all attack at once. And it's something that I didn't notice, but you noticed an interesting point about this. And it's that all four of the elements are being used in one place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is our great like Avengers moment. That it's like all the elements are focused, firing at one place in concert. Yeah. And it's like this. So like, I got really excited because like I just know I, the, what what I caught was just all the different colors mm-hmm. coming together, and I was like, this is so cool. We. We rarely see more than two together, and all of a sudden, all three are there, and from pretty powerful people. I mean, you have Zuko, Aang, yeah, Toph, and um, and Katara, right? Yeah, and it's just like yeah, it was just this deeply exciting you moment. You have two masters, you have royalty, and you have the Avatar, and they're all shooting, <laughs> yeah, at Azula. So it's like she must be gone. But um, 
out of that, there's like this big pillar of black smoke and it obscures everything. But once it all settles, Azula is gone. And uh, we don't know where she went. We don't know how she got out. Uh, now, we could say we don't know if she got out. That's Maybe true. she got obliterated, but we know enough about storytelling that, that she, there's no way. And it's a kid's show. <laughs> like, they will do things in this show, but that would be... Well, what? it would be darker if they had her dead body lying there. That is tr- that is very true. Um, so then we see Iroh, though, lying on the ground unconscious. He seems to be the only one who's hurt. And Zuko is leaning over him on his knees. And Zuko is, like, shaking, crying, and he raises his fists um, to his face in agony. And we see that there's a a large scorch mark on Iroh's chest. And so the Aang gang runs up, um, wanting to help. And Zuko yells, get away from us. And Toph can sense through the ground that it's Iroh. And she shakes in sadness. And Katara approaches and tells Zuko, like, look, I can help. She can heal, right? But he firebends a stream at all of them and tells them to leave. And the Aang gang leaves Zuko then and Iroh in the town. And as they leave, it's like Zuko's form leaning over a fallen Iroh and the whole city is on fire. And the Aang gang flies off into the night and they finally find a spot to sleep. And the whole crew sleeps side by side on top of Appa. And that's where it ends. Yeah, it's just, and it's it's a it's a sweet ending for for them because we see at least some of these tensions are yeah um, at least temp- temporarily resolved, but they're still I think some of these deeper ideological tensions are yes. probably going to persist. I like that they end it so on the saddle. It's like um, from above you're seeing them all sleep, and it's Ang then Momo, then Katara or then Toph then Katara then Sokka. And the camera like slowly zooms in and it's mostly just on Katara and Toph sleeping side by side. And it was like a really nice way to end all of the tension. But you're right. It's probably all still very deep underneath. Yeah. Yeah. So big themes or observations uh, from from this episode. They're all so close to each other. Yeah. Yeah. And like what's going to happen to get them all farther away? Because I'm assuming that's the direction we're going. But yes. I don't know. You would you would think so. Yeah. I mean I- – because in season one, we got all of our principal characters together a lot, but we had a lot fewer. We've spent this time expanding and expanding and expanding. Now, if Ty Lee and May had been there, we basically would have everyone who's yes. a major player in season two all in one place. And I wonder, like, honest, in the last couple episodes, I have lost sight of what what the Aang gang is trying to do. Have you? Like, I know that Aang needs to learn earthbending. So maybe they just are trying to find a safe place to do that, mm-hmm. right? Like a safe, discreet place. But other than that, I'm like, this feel it feels like there's so many different people, but they're all kind of like aimless. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, because because I think they it's important that this is called the chase. Right. Right? Like they would just stay in one place except something is after them. True. Right? So so you know, that's keeping them on the move. Now they don't even know that there's another group after them. Right, because remember that uh, Toph's parents yes. hired another group of people who are who are going to be of Earthbenders who are going to yes. be looking for uh, looking for them. So there's going to be that th- that's one more group that we haven't you know that aren't part of this episode. But yeah, but yeah. So so that's their that's the thing the plot point that keeps them on the move because what they need to do is train. Right, that's what they need to be doing. Um, we man. 
I, I like that we see a lot more of Toph. I'm glad she wasn't just a minor character, but we get to see like her and her and Iroh have a mm-hmm. moment. I think yep. you got to be an important person to have a moment with Iroh in this show. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of really important ideas there because we're trying to deal with the Iroh Zuko relationship and yeah. Toph gets to wrestle with her own thing. And, and they don't just have a moment, but they have a connection now. Yeah. And like, I could see, so you said, you know, I can't imagine everyone's going to stay together, right? right. But what we don't know is what are the splits going to be? Yeah. Like, I don't think Toph is going to go with Iroh because I don't think that's how this would set up. But, like, it would work yeah. if you did that, right? Like, like they they have a, a deep connection and I can't wait for the next time that I see the two of them yeah. together with a quiet moment to talk. Yeah. I like that um, at the start, I kind of like since we met Toph, I really like her. But she can rub people the wrong way. And can be aggressive and and then in this episode we see her iroh brings it out iroh makes her laugh like a real true happy laugh and iroh makes her like shake and kind of cry at the Mm -hmm. end when she realizes it's him who was hurt and i i like that yeah you're right it's a connection it also gives us a picture of how the show could realign when we have Zuko and Iroh in the mix, basically in the Aang gang, yeah. you know, for that bright moment. We have that Avengers moment. It doesn't last, but, you know, I I, I could see that those same four streams firing at the uh, at the Fire Lord at mm. the end of season three, right? Like, like I could see that. Like, like this, this is maybe the the first taste we get of mm. what happens when those powers combine when those personalities combine. So I'm I'm excited for everybody to have had that connection point. Yeah. We also I think get the roots of a Katara, of Katara Toph tension. Mm-hmm. Um uh because they are I think they are just very different and they view things very differently and I would be shocked if we were done with that. Yeah. Um I think I think going forward I'm going to be trying to track like do we continue to see those things bubble up that, you know, Katara has some expectations. Toph has some expectations. Yeah. Because Aang has two teachers right now. He's not done waterbending, mm-hmm. right? He's not done learning that. So he has – he's not wrestling just with, okay, I have to study with this one master. But there are two and they maybe have different ideas about that. Man, and you think about any of the, the older masters we've seen and if you had two of them side by side trying to teach mm-hmm. with very different philosophies on how to do with that – yeah. It's not going to end well, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like uh, Boomy and, and um, what's... And Jong Jong uh, or yes. Boomy and Paku, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally different. Uh, and then the other last thing I had was just that the Mean Girls are back, that we, <sighs> we got them, which excites me because, like, I do... I do want to have as much as I love sort of the, the meditation and things like Zuko alone, I do love there's something pushing this story that there is, mm. you know, that there there is like a clear, here's the antagonist for Aang and that Aang needs to be on the run. Yeah. Um, so I like that. And then the last thing I had is you really like what happened to Azula. Mm. I mean, we all we know is that she wasn't there. How did she get away? Where did she go? Yeah. Where does she go next? And what happens to Iroh too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. both of them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Annie, this is a... Uh, a great and, and really surprising episode. If if you had told me to guess what was going to happen in the chase, I I think I would have taken chase and said, well, one of the at least one of the two groups who are chasing after uh, after Ang would uh, you know being either the Earthbenders or mm. or the Mean Girls would uh, would show up, and this would be about them being like I would have guessed that. 
I didn't know we were going to get the that yes. everybody in one place moment. Yes. And that was great. Iroh chasing Zuko, Zuko chasing Azula. <laughs> it's yes. like the whole yeah. thing. Yep. Yes. So, so that was very surprising. This was a great episode. We do have some guests for this episode. Yes, um, we do. So we have two guests on this uh, on this episode. So uh, my nephews, uh, Mark and Levi, uh, who are big fans of the show, I, I've talked with them at uh, at holidays because uh, that's in the world of COVID. It's the one time I get to see them much. Uh, we've had conversations and I keep having to push oh. them off a little bit because it's like, I remember I haven't seen as much. But now, you know, I'm halfway through season two. So there's more that we can talk about. Uh, they are delightful, interesting, brilliant. Uh, yes. I was just amazed at the level of insight that we oh got. Oh my gosh. Some of the things I said, I was like, I have never thought about that ever in this show. And I've seen it like, well, once. <laughs> but still, it was great. I love talking to them. Yep. So let's, uh, let's, let's jump right into that, uh, that interview. Well, we are pleased today to have uh, two interviewees. Uh, we have uh, Mark and Levi, who are my nephews. Um, they are 11 years old, and they are big fans of Avatar The Last Airbender. Mark and Levi, how you doing? Good. Um, so we just want to talk a little bit about uh, your experience with the show Avatar. Um, so maybe to start with, how did you come across this show? What led you guys to watch this? Well, it was originally because my friend Jake was a really big fan of the show, and he, he told was us. in season two. He told us that we should watch it, uh, and I made a deal with him if he watched this one show, uh, then I would watch Avatar, and then I watched Avatar broke the deal because I was obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> so what what drew you guys into Avatar? Um, kind of like the story is kind of so like in depth how it kind of just pulls you into this magical world where there are different physics and like different things that people can do also i like how lighthearted it is like it doesn't get too serious like its sequel series the legend of korra which is actually what made that show not as big as avatar the last airbender because there are some super serious and heartfelt moments and then there are some super hilarious moments yeah, you know, I totally agree. One of the things that I that I love is just how even in the episodes where I, I kind of catch myself and I'm like, wow, this is a kid show. This is getting a little dark at the same time. Like it never goes kind of over. It never it never sort of trips over that line so much. Have you guys seen the movie The Last Airbender? Yes. And we do. We are not big fans of that movie. <laughs> Same. And I think you're right. Like the, the beautiful part about the series is that it is so lighthearted and fun. And they just took all of that out of the movie. Like the movie yeah. is like, so And isn't funny and Sokka isn't funny and it's all serious. Yeah. Like they're all so serious and they cut parts out that just didn't make sense. Like in the Earthbender prison, um, they didn't actually a prison. It was just a village and they just didn't earthbend. Absolutely. Stock is the worst. <laughs> so grim in that. And also his boomerang is like made out of a bone, I think. <laughs> Do you have uh, favorite favorite characters, people that you that that um, whether they're one of the main characters or like side characters, are there people that you're particularly drawn to? Um, I really like Toph. Toph right. is a really cool character. Like she's a I don't know if you know who Toph is. I do. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so I just didn't want... I wanted to make sure I'm not spoiling, but Toph is, like, 
She's like, I can take care of myself, and it's a really good representation because she's blind, but she's the most powerful Earthbender in the world. And I just really like her character, and she's really funny too. Yeah, I love how they they like depict her her version of vision, like how she senses the world. How they go into that like black and white grid kind of thing to show the like the um the vibrations it, traveling. Yeah. yeah. I think that's such a cool thing. In the sequel series, Toph actually gets uh, another appearance. Oh, really? She sits on that big, the vines of that big swamp, and she can see the entire world at once because that swamp's vines go all over the world. Oh, sure. That's so cool. Yeah. That is really cool. Um, Mark, do you have a character that you you like? um, My favorite character... um, this is gonna be um probably this sounds strange, but my favorite character is probably Zuko because in like the second half of season two, I'm not gonna say anything by the way, but in the second half of season two and season three, you really get to see like his reasoning and like you can see like all sides of him, and I think it's brilliant how his character kind of just plays out. I also agree because I think that. You're right, like it sounds weird to say that Zuko's your favorite, especially at this point in season two where we're all like a little unsure about him. But he shows so much growth between season one and season two. Like even in season two, he already feels kind of like a different character. Yeah, he's a refugee and he's actually helping people. And I noticed in like season one, he was like just this grim person. But in season two, you kind of get a look into his history and what he's actually been through. Yeah, I love that you called him a refugee. Like I hadn't even really thought of him as being a refugee, but he doesn't have a home country anymore. Like yeah. he has been banished. That's a that's a really accurate description of where he's at in season two. And also uh, in the episode, The Chase, Zuko was actually fighting Azula preferred to capturing Aang. And even though he still makes Aang and Team Avatar keep their distance, he doesn't really go after them, so he seems to be enemy to the Fire Nation more than he is an enemy to Aang currently. That's a that's that's awesome. I didn't realize that when I watched it first. I did not make that connection. Uh, and in season one, he's like, "I will capture the Avatar. I will steal everything. I will restore my honor." He seems kind of just obsessed with that one detail of restoring his honor. That's all he's focused on, and he's also really mean to his uncle. Yeah, I will say Iroh is one of our favorite characters uh, as yeah, we watch through the show. Iroh is really funny. Uh, and there is a small joke in the episode right after the chase. It's not really something big. But Zuko's just like, Iroh, teach me some advanced firebending. I need it to take down Azula. And he's just, I know what you're going to say. She's my sister and I should be trying to get along with her. And then Iroh's just like, no, she's crazy and she needs to go down. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Like, if Iroh doesn't like you, that says something. Yeah, because he's like, I am Mr. Wise. <laughs> um, I would say he's kind of the Yoda of the Avatar series. Like, he's, he's so there. compassionate to, like, everyone. And, like, he on- like the only time I ever see him act like um, fighting people is when he was fighting Earthbenders in Season 1. That part actually doesn't make a lot of sense to me because it kind of just seems out of character for him. Yeah, as because he, he doesn't he doesn't really be he's not really in favor of the Fire Nation's idea. 
but nor is he like against it. But Iroh it also goes through some growth similar to Zuko, even though it's a more slight growth. Uh, it's really good to see him as a character kind of change, and it's really cool as well. Yeah. So I have a question for you. As you think about the different bending powers, uh, if you could have a power, which would you? Which what would you want? I would probably want. Mm, that's a tough one, but I'm gonna go water bending. Really? Why is that? Uh, I have a few reasons. First of all, like if we're applying this to a real life situation in earthbending in a modern society, it would probably require me to just take a chunk out of our yard or the street, which is definitely not good. Kind of going to find a hard, it's going to be hard to find a spot other than the beach where you can actually do some legit cool bending. Also, water is everywhere. And I could imagine this being kind of cool. We've got that one of those water dispensers on our fridge, and I could, like, as it's coming out, just bend it and do whatever I want with it. I like that. There's another reason, but that reason is in season three, so I'm not going to say Okay. That. All right. <laughs> I love that you made it about what elements you would use in this world, because I've always thought about it, like, if I was living in the Avatar world, which element I would use, but you're so right. Like, it would be totally different in like 21st century America, you know? Because like roads aren't made of rock and all the buildings aren't made of like And also I don't think I would be able to get a glider for airbending. Uh, and in the sequel show, there actually is a character that can fly without a glider, but uh, that's he's the second person in the history of all Avatar lore to be able to do that. And I don't think I'd be able to get that mastery, nor would I be able to get a glider. And firebending just is hazardous. <laughs> True. Um, How about you, Mark? For me, I would probably select airbending because for airbending, it's the one thing I noticed that when you attack someone with like water, fire, or earth, you it usually means that they're going to get hurt. Like a boulder smashing into someone isn't gonna not hurt them. But for air, you have a lot of like control about like which direction it moves and like how hard it hits them. Also, Mark, may I comment? Yeah. The irrigation is kind of, based off of what we see of it, is very, very different from the other three nations. Yeah, like, it's so spiritual. And, and it's, they're all, like, independent from the other nations. They don't really make contact with them. And their whole culture is just pretty insane. I noticed that when people sit on gliders, like, they aren't moving their arms, meaning that somehow they can do it with their mind. And it seems to be a pretty basic thing because in a season three episode, there are younger kids, like six-year-olds, shown to be gliding on the glider. So it doesn't seem to. In be- a flashback. <laughs> so you talked. You talked about culture. Is there one of the cultures now? If we t- if we take out the the bending thing, is there one of the cultures that you're most interested in? If you had to live in or visit, you know, one one of the one of the nations where. I- I definitely say the Air Nation still because like all of the other ones are kind of just like the normal civilization, like have like um, monarchy and then they pretty much just let the people live their normal lives. But airbending you like it's different than the others because it relies on you like spiritually detaching from the world and you aren't burdened like by loss or anything. They kind of have such a different culture from the other ones 
The show's explanation for this is that the other ones are elements of substance, like they're physical things that you can touch, but um, air isn't. Like, in order to bend a non-physical thing, you have to master that of the non-physical, which is why it's so spiritual. For me, my favorite culture would, similar to Mark B, Air Nomads, because also they ha- they don't really live, like we see a map and it's got the Earth Nation, Fire Nation, the two water tribes, and then we've got that chunk of kind of purpley gray land, but uh, when Zhao was like talking about he how he genocided the airbenders, he said he just went after the temples, meaning that they don't really live in a land spot. They live in four secluded temples. And also, Aang says that the primary agricultural product of his people was fruit pies. And (laughs) that's pretty fun. (laughs) I like it. I like it. There's been something I've kind of been dying to say. The Earth Kingdom is pretty massive. Like, you can tell it is definitely so much bigger than all the other nations. But the Fire Nation, one that is, again, so much smaller, managed to beat it. And being bigger probably means it has a lot more people, too but maybe less population density, as we see there are a bunch of places in the Earth Kingdom that don't have people. It can go either way, but I feel they have the advantage definitely having more stuff that you need to conquer. Yeah, totally. One question I'm really curious about, since you two are brothers and twins, is there a character that you think is most like each other? So Mark, is there a character that you think is most like Levi and the other way around? Mm. <laughs> tough because the characters are like not very realistic because when you add like bending things become so far from reality it's hard to pin one down uh, mark don't take i don't know what take offense for this but uh i think you're most like the character may like azula's friend may with the blades and she'll just throw them at people mm. how do you feel about that mark <laughs> i mean Personally, I disagree because although I really like how she fights, and I think that's cool. Um, oh wait, no, not like May. I just realized yeah, May because May doesn't May like, doesn't show any feelings or anything. Yeah, or maybe take a character from a sequel show. Who do you think Sam is most like? Well, I was just thinking, like probably like there is no Avatar: The Last Airbender character, but that kind of matches him because Zuko. No, I can't really think of any of them. Hmm. That was just straight up insane, but probably Mako from the sequel series, The Legend of Korra. That's like Uncle Sam. I love that you said that because I don't know who that is, but I, I eventually someday will. So I'll be looking for that character when I get to The Legends of Korra. What's the character's name again? Mako, and he's not in a 100% match. He'll be pretty easy to find, by the way. Sounds he's good. Third episode, and he's a main character, so... I'd peg him, I'd peg un- Uncle Sam as the announcer in Legend of Korra too from that series. Um, I think you're gonna find this funny because you know how every episode Katara kind of does the intro, mm-hmm. like what has happened so far. Um, so there's this guy, and he's just this random reporter, and he um just explains what has happened in the story so far at the beginning of every episode. And if you skip the intro, you don't like you only get to hear like his last word. 
Ah, very nice. But Mark, I'd actually think I'd peg you as a cross between Zhang Zhang and Aang. Ooh, ooh, that's not bad. Zhang Zhang somehow had a baby. It'd be kind of like you. That's awesome. That's a great combination. How do you feel about that, Sam? I can, I think so. I think that that fits. I think you guys have the joy of, of of both of you have like the joy of Aang. So I feel like there's a little bit of Aang in both of you. I for my if I were to assume myself, I'd probably just go 100% Aang with with the smidge of Sokka. I could see that. That works. <laughs> Aang and oh. Sokka. I would actually say for Levi, it involves a character from season 3, so I'm going to probably I don't even know their name though, so it's the swordsman. The oh, sword oh that dude. Yeah, that dude. It's okay. I'll be looking for him. <laughs> don't say anymore because I don't want. I don't want anything spoiled. But but that I'll be looking for him. Aang. That guy and Ang. Okay. okay. Because um, that guy will be his name for this. He will. So that guy is a very like artistic and um, artsy person, and he practices painting. Is like name. he's a sword fighter, and he uses very unique strategies to master like the sword you you can't you can't really miss him like all right i'll be i'll be looking for i'll be looking for all these characters that you're talking about um, mark and levi thank you so much for uh for sitting down and talking with us um i can't wait as i get further in the show i can't wait to talk with you guys more and more um about this uh but thank you for uh for sitting down for this interview no problem nice to meet you nice Nice to to meet you too Well, that was great. It was very fun. Uh, If you are listening to this and you would like to be uh, a guest on the show, please contact us. We want you. Channel3900 at gmail.com. We would love to have you on the show. We have more guests coming up. We've had people contacting us. Um, It's something that I really love because, um, Annie, you and I are watching this and putting in a lot of time, but we are not experts on this show. And there are experts. We are surrounded by experts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number rapidly increasing, the more uh, the more that I talk with people about the show, the more I realize how insightful and how thoughtful people are about the show. So if, if you're somebody who loves Avatar, even if you don't feel like you're insightful or thoughtful, let me tell you, you are. And we would <laughs> love to talk with you. So give us, an, uh, give us a message, channel3900 at gmail.com. You can go to our website avatarwithacademics.wordpress.com go find uh, old episodes of the show that's another place where you can communicate leave comments things like that we would love to interact with you Andy that is all the time we have for this week we will be back next week for book 2 earth chapter 9 bitter work bitter work